Welcome to the second season of the Audio and Visual Podcast. My name is Jay Bigham, and I'm your host. Audio and Visual is a podcast that brings you into the artist's studio, whether that be a large commercial studio space or an extra bedroom in a condo, to help you to get to know the struggles, triumphs, and day-to-day lives of people creating visual arts. The artists you hear will, for the most part, be people you probably never heard of, although you may be familiar with some of their work. This isn't a podcast that will be featuring famous artists, rather it is focused on those artists that live and work right beside you. Today's guest is Edmonton-based artist and illustrator Crystal Dreger. We met in Crystal's home studio on a Saturday in January. Let's get right to it. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about uh, sort of your path to where you are today. What, What got you started in art? Well, I, I've always been interested in drawing and illustration, so I went to, I went to McEwen's open house to go to their fine art program and was kind of steered to their illustration program, so that's what I ended up taking. I wanted to go more the children's book illustration route um, initially, and yeah, I guess that's where I started. Did you, did you draw as a kid? I mean, did, have you drawn your whole life kind of thing, or is that something that came later? Oh, absolutely. In fact, every Sunday afternoon, we would go to my grandma's house, and she had all these rolls of paper, you know, the ones that were all connected together um, that you had to tear apart, and so we'd line the whole dining room table, and she'd bring out markers, and the whole family would doodle oh, while we were awesome. chatting. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 What, what did the McEwen, what was the McEwen experience like for you? Well, it was amazing, and they have this great, well, they used to have this great internship program, which I took advantage of, and I um, actually did my internship before finishing in second year at the Royal Alberta Museum. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I, I've been connected with the museum for a super long time. <laughs> yeah, and I did mostly graphic design back then. So <clears throat> graphic design and art with quotes around it are kind of different things. I mean, they're, they're more uh, structured for sure, graphic design, graphic designers. Um, how has that sort of translated in, in, in your art? I think that's where the whimsical side of my art comes out because illustration can be really playful. And... Um, not that fine art isn't playful, but you're always taking someone's concept and making it either like you more youthful for a certain audience or, or funny or, you know, um, you're, you're playing with other people's concepts and words and creating imagery specifically for someone. And so I think when it comes to comparing my illustration work to my fine artwork, um, I think you can see you can see the transition. You can see that this the way I use the paintbrush. Um, yeah, I I, don't, I guess I don't know completely how to describe well, yeah, it. You certainly don't have to separate <laughs> yeah. them because I mean obviously they're they're two parts of the same hand really. I mean you, your um, your talents in one bleed into the other, and it's uh, you know not really. I, for some people, it's a when I when I did the interview with Jason, it was very much, okay, this is my graphic design work, and this is my other work, and, and they're very different kinds of, kinds of things, and I was sort of wondering how that fits with you, but obviously it sounds oh. like it's more just part of a spectrum of, of how, you, how you work. Yeah, but no, there is a definite like visual difference for sure. I have a lot of different styles. Yeah. I get that, that's probably maybe what I'm kind of known for. If you go to my Instagram, you're going to see like 
five or six clearly different things that still kind of have a, I don't know how to say it, like a flavor of crystals. It's like there's a little bit of crystal style in there, but there's stuff from scientific illustration, which is very precise, to like super cartoony coloring book stuff to like more impressionistic landscapes. Um, <laughs> I run, I do run the gamut. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's, it's, uh, I mean, obviously it's great for getting contract work because you have the ability to do multiple different styles. And, and I, um, for myself, doing different things keeps me interested in everything that I do. So I'm sure it's very similar for you. Oh, that's exactly, that's exactly it. I, yeah. I can't even stay with the same subject matter for too long. I'm always <laughs> moving on to different things. Good, good. So you have been doing art all your life, by the sound of it. Um, after school, what, what, uh, what was your path? Yeah, so I got a second internship, which is kind of rare. I'm really grateful for it. But it was at um, a small company in Edmonton that unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. Um, it was called Transglobal Communications, and they were a little mini publishing house. So they did they did children's books. So they're my you know my first checklist of like, well, my my dreams already coming true. <laughs> um, for, dollar, for the dollar store market, yeah, albeit, okay. which is a perfect place to start because sure. the quality, <laughs> maybe in my illustration, wasn't as high back then as it is now, so it, it was perfect. And we also did um, licensed products, so gift bags and wrapping paper, gift tags, gift bag sets. And I grew with the company, so where we started with little dollar stores, by the time that I left, I think I was there four or five years. We were doing really big clients like Costco and Walmart and pitching to them. You know, we wouldn't do the pitching aspect. We would do the design, the painting, and then we'd, we had the, the great big printers in the back and we'd print off mock-ups, they're called, they're like the fake, fake gift bags and fold oh, them sure. in the back and mm -hmm. they, we'd have intricate little, um, like they'd have glitter and stuff on them. So we would be painting paths of glue on the bags where the glitter was going to be and sprinkling glitter on by hand and stuff. <laughs> so we have you to blame for those glitter problems. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it was like the days of the glitter. <laughs> yeah. you never came home without uh, at least some glitter somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and then, and then what, what happened after that? Well, um, it's, it's like one of those things where you, I, it, you're so grateful to be an employee and have benefits and such as an illustrator that is unfortunately very rare in our world of illustration and art. But there's the side of you that really wants more control about what you're doing, you know, um, when you're given projects that are so specific that you feel like you don't have so much creative control sometimes, you know. They would, they would be very specific, like, I need a snowman with this color hat doing this specific thing on this hill with this in the background on the left side. You know, it, it, got, it got down to some nitty-gritty details. And it was still fun, but I wanted to put my name on some projects. So I left to pursue freelance shortly after I got married, I believe. And um, we just sort of took that financial hit and... Um, I, I got lucky because the museum needed someone part-time for a, a short period of time. I don't remember how long it was, maybe six months or something. So a couple days a week I would do my graphic design work. So there was this bridge where the other three days or whatever, well, 
five days, to be honest. Sure. You know, you work in a lot when, as an entrepreneur doing um, illustration, making a new portfolio of stuff that I, I wanted to get work for. And, you know, back in the olden days, <laughs> I would go um, call up businesses and ring their doorbell and bring my portfolio to them and showed them my work and had meetings and that's well, how I got started. What was that like? I mean, that sounds a little bit scary. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was scary, but I mean, people are people. are people. I know people don't phone anyone anymore. People don't even answer their phones anymore. So now if I do something like that, it's via email. And, uh, you know, you can still ask someone if they'd like to go for coffee. And, sure, sure, you know, sure. my treat, I'll, I'll show you my work and tell you <laughs> what kind of things I can do, you know. But the lovely thing about about finding illustration and client work is that if you do a good job even on the projects that maybe you weren't super excited about is those people talk about you and you know give your word, name to other people sure, and so that that's around. really helpful the word, yeah. word of mouth thing yeah absolutely you're listening to audio and visual the podcast about visual arts and artists today's guest is edmonton-based artist and illustrator crystal dreger for more information on Crystal and to hear all our episodes, visit audioonvisual.ca. Follow us on Twitter at audioonvisual. And visit facebook.com slash audioonvisual. Don't miss an episode and subscribe to Audio and Visual on Google Play or iTunes. Now back to Crystal. So, um, you worked at the old museum. Uh, how long did you, did, did you do contract work there? Oh, man. It's a tricky question because I don't think I ever was there for like a solid amount of time. It was little contract bits of work here and there. I never took over someone's mat leave. It was more like, we're swamped because we have this amazing feature thing coming in and we need some extra graphic design work. Or someone, I don't know, was, was taken off for summer vacation or something sure, and I would fill sure. in. So what, what kind of work did you do at the museum? Well. Um, I was actually there when they first opened the Wild, not opened the Wild Alberta Gallery. They were reinventing it, I suppose, because all of the animal cases used to be in these long rows. Kind of, it was kind of like more of a, sorry to say, like a little bit boring of a setup. <laughs> so they were redoing it completely, moving the cases around, making things more interactive. And I, my first project, I think there, was to design the sloper panels, which is. Uh, it's the panel that you walk up to and you look down and you read the information sure. for. So and that, for a permanent gallery, I, you know, I was stunned that me as someone just starting out was allowed to work on such an amazing project. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, they were so trusting. I know I'm, I'm still friends with the people who've retired that I used, used to work with there. And yeah, it was exciting. <laughs> yeah, it would be yeah, a little bit exciting, a little bit yeah, stressful, I would imagine. For sure. And but the opportunity about being a graphic designer is that sometimes um, a project would come on my desk where I had the opportunity to suggest illustration. And so I, they don't have any painting materials there. They usually hire out uh, illustrators. But that was sort of my in of like, hey, look what I can paint. You know, here's, I did a, a Christmas series of Mo the Mammoth skiing down a hill or toboggan and stuff like that and so that you know um led to work once i left as a graphic designer sure you know. sure yeah so you did that for quite a while um during this time were you working on your other more fine art kinds of things or were you mostly focusing on your graphic design no, uh, yeah, I was mostly pursuing illustration back then. It wasn't until I had my first son 
uh, that almost 10 years ago now that I I, I, I was thrown into this world of shock and realizing that my deadlines couldn't be met as easily anymore. <laughs> the, um, especially when you have like when you have a little baby, you know, sure, you're working sure. in very short periods of time during naps and stuff. And um, that was when I was actually, I guess, doing my first bridging the gap from illustration to fine art because. I, I was with a group of other illustrators who were doing, um, trying to get our work into shows. So our first show was at the McMullen Gallery. Um, at the U of A? At the, at the University yeah. Hospital, mm -hmm. which is a beautiful gallery. Uh, and so we did a show called Growing Up. And I had almost finished all of it while I, while I was pregnant a little bit before, and then had, had my first son, Dexter. and. Um, was trying to finish the paintings. I, I would strap the baby to my chest in a, like one of those baby carriers sometimes, painting around him, trying to get it done. And yeah, because I at that time I kind of just had to say no to a lot of illustration work. That you know, the, the scope is too big for so many of them. So we got into that gallery show, and it, it's a lovely gallery because they they pay the artists a fee to exhibit which is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> and from there, Trex picked us up. It's the traveling, um, it's the, the art AFA. gallery. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the AFA does the traveling exhibitions across the schools and a bunch of other, sure. whoever wants to pick them up, I guess. So they took our show and then they, they paid us again, have that traveling and that sort of oh, hooked wonderful. me. I was like, yeah. oh, this is really cool. I could do this. Yeah, but there was, we had like a guest book at the gallery where people could write comments. And you know, most of them are lovely. But back then my style is, is really still really cartoony. I'm outlining all of my people and, and that sort of thing. And there was a comment in there about how we shouldn't have been allowed in the gallery because our work looked so cartoony. And that kind of, it kind of, it kind of went deep inside and I thought, well, that's not fair. But it also made me think about working on a style that maybe is more welcome in galleries, I guess. So I kind of, this is, this is I, I hate to say it, but like that, that negative comment, I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't like <laughs> absorb negative comments, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I did, I took that as like, well, you know what? It, maybe this is an opportunity to explore another style for me so I can still do um, my illustration work here and my fine art here. And it's actually evolved my illustration work too. And I don't rely on heavy outlines and things anymore. <laughs> it's funny how that, that uh, a one, one little comment in a, in a book could change so much. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's amazing. So um, once that show happened, what, where did you go from there? Yeah, well, I am... Um, for a f I had a, I had a second son um, two years after the first one was born, and so I had two little guys at home, and I we chose we chose not to go the, the daycare route. So I'm staying at home. I'm still trying to work in naps, and for a while I tried working on a licensing portfolio. I had a licensing agent, um, and it just it just didn't pan out super well. You know, it sounds it sounds so amazing. You know, I have this licensing agent in New York, and she's <laughs> taking my work to like the great big stationary shows. But um, again, it was another one of those things where I just 
couldn't handle the deadline, so she would take my, my paintings, which I'd spent know, agonizing months on, to the shows, and people loved them, but they wanted all these changes, kind of like, like redo your artwork like this, and I just, I just didn't have the energy at that time to be like, oh, okay. I can, I can totally fit this in, you know? So that's when I started pursuing markets. I think my first one was the Make It show um, in Edmonton. So it's like, I think the spring one or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Where you, people who make craft art, artwork can sell, or crafts and artwork, artisans come, <laughs> you know? And I had success, I made, I made a little bit of money. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like crazy, but it was like a little bit of money. And with, you know, my husband's a teacher too, so back then, you know, one income for people, <laughs> a little teeny bit of income for me, that's when I, I was like, okay, maybe I can make a whatever I can make while the kids are napping or maybe like while I throw on a cartoon here or there in between life things. Sure, sure. And that's, that's how it snowballed into me doing a lot of markets now. Well, of course, the things you can do in 15 minutes are the small things, which are the things that are affordable, which are the things that sell at those kind of markets. Right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And even just like not, not having client parameters to um, stress me out, I guess. Like I can make literally whatever I want. That, if that anxiety and that stress goes away, you know, I can, I have the energy to go out in the garage at eight o'clock at night when the kids are in bed. Back then. <laughs> I don't do that now. And like sand boards and put drawings, like make prints of drawings on, on wood or whatever and, you know, sure. and do things in an economical fashion that I could still sell. <laughs> so um, I own, uh, well, I, I bought for my mom one of your little craft things at uh, Night, of, well, Night of Artists, yeah. I think, last year. It was a lovely piece. She loves it. And it's just a, it's a little uh, bird on a piece of a thin slice of uh Birch or something oh yeah, like my wood slice ornaments and yeah, art, yeah. yeah, and framed up beautifully. It sits in her cabinet out at uh, Buffalo Lake, so she loves it. Just uh, and I knew she would as minute I saw it. I was like, that's got to go. Um, so yeah, but you know, you got me when Yay. I walked by, and, and it, I'm sure that's done done pretty well for you over the years. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those wood slices have have been really successful, and and I do them with driftwood too. You know, sure. and they're, they're just kind of fun. <laughs> So, um, one of the things I sort of started knowing you for was your your carved work. I think oh, that was yes. probably the first some of the first work that I saw of yours was your carved pieces. So, why don't we talk a little bit about how you um, discovered that and your process and those kinds oh, of things? Oh yeah, I, I love painting on textured surfaces. In college, we we used more of like a gel medium to make. Um, like little bumpy textures or something like that. Um, but my my husband, I got I got him carving tools for Christmas one year, and he just didn't touch them. I don't know. I, I gave, gave it a couple of years or something, and I saw them. I thought because I had been painting on plywood at that time, I did a giant mermaid piece on plywood because <laughs> it's it's rough and kind of just kind of kind of an ugly surface. It's great, <laughs> and and I'm. I'm I've got that illustrator mindset where the, and this is going to sound really funny now, but where the original doesn't matter so much, it's the print. Okay. <laughs> okay? Sure. And now I'm totally more the opposite. It's funny how that's flipped. But anyway, um, 
I, I was looking at the plywood and saw the tools and I was like, hey, Marley's. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I just started, I just basically stole the tools and started carving really lightly, like little pieces here and there. Like maybe I'll just accent the hair or something so initially. hand tools. Yeah, hand tools. Yeah, yeah chisel and mallet essentially. Sure. And then um, my, da my dad saw what I was doing and I don't know anything about tools at that time and I was terrified of tools. But he's like, I gotta get you a Dremel. That's ridiculous how you're carving those. <laughs> you know, because it would take me so many hours to do the tiniest little carving. And uh, so I think it was Christmas or something, he bought me a Dremel for Christmas and a couple bits and I was I couldn't believe how easy it was to carve with, especially you get you can get this attachment for it that makes it feel like a pen in your hand because it's just like a little pen attachment I guess I'm, I can't remember what it's called but um, yeah it's just like you're drawing you're drawing into the wood essentially with the carving tool and I was hooked. Um, and luckily, um, because I started putting my work out on social media more and hashtagging uh, Dremel, for some reason, just on a whim, just hashtagging the company name, uh, Dremel saw me and I started a relationship with them and became an official Dremel maker a few years ago. They sent me free tools to use. I did give giveaway contests for them on their social media. They flew me to Montreal once That's to demo awesome. carving their tools. It was amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's important for the people who don't know is yes. that it's not just carving because you, oh, right. you also paint. I do. <laughs> like that, the carving is just the first step, right? So you want to... Oh gosh, yes. Okay, so what my work is, um, it's it's a relief carving. So it's it's not in the round, I guess. It's just a, because basically what I want to do is make a textured painting. Okay, but I love the wood. I love the way it smells and stuff. So um, yeah, I I carve it and then I seal it and then I it's the same same process. I just I paint it afterwards and protect it again. It's 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 like doing a painting but three times as long. <laughs> Sometimes we do that to ourselves, don't we? Yeah, but I know it, it's it's different. And the thing that's amazing about about the finished pieces is that even depending on the time of day, the light coming in makes the piece look different. We get the shadows. Yeah, the shadow the, play the on it. Yeah, 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 for sure. And for years, this was like um, sorry. For years, I I didn't know how to properly. Um, scan them or photograph them. So I would photograph them as best I could and then I would just sell the original and they'd be gone. Uh, but I realized I bought, I bought a special scanner and it's, it's just a home scanner but I, I can now scan my relief carvings and make prints of them. <laughs> I know with, with something with a type of painting like that that takes sometimes a whole month to do, that is so important to me yeah, for sure, for <laughs> to be sure. able to have extra income off it. Well, and, um as as we all know, we've, we've done these these art markets that uh, uh, art cards and prints are sometimes the only thing you sell at some of these things. So having having them for your work is really important for sure. Yeah. So um, how long ago did you did you uh, start with the Dremel? Hmm. I uh, try to think back to my kids' ages. Probably. I don't know, maybe five years. Five it's not years? super long, no. Yeah. And because I carve in my garage, which is cold, especially this time of year, um, I don't do carving 
100% of the time. You know, sometimes I just can't make enough like, physical objects to, f say, fill a booth at a market, like at Night of Artists or whatever, you know, I have one piece hanging there because it takes so long to make that I do the paintings as well. You're listening to Audio and Visual, the podcast about visual arts and artists. Today's guest is Edmonton-based artist and illustrator Crystal Dreger. For more information on Crystal and to hear all our episodes, visit audioandvisual.ca. Follow us on Twitter at audioandvisual. And visit facebook.com slash audioandvisual. Don't miss an episode and subscribe to Audio and Visual on Google Play or iTunes. Now back to Crystal. So yeah, let's talk about your paintings. Um, I actually didn't know you painted until just uh, maybe a year ago. I mean, I hadn't seen any of your, your uh, pieces on canvas, so let's talk, wow. about, talk about that. Wow. <laughs> That's funny, because I guess like, I get to see all the work that I'm doing at once, but some of it's disappearing here and there, like off to illustration clients and never get seen. Um, my painting work... Um, I bought myself some oils two or three years ago. So maybe that's why I, I didn't really paint a lot because I, I, didn't, I didn't find oils <laughs> until a couple of years ago. I tried them and, and they're just they were the like best, magic. <laughs> <laughs> and I've tried marrying oils with my wood carvings, but it's just not, the medium doesn't work the same on the wood in the drying time in the little cracks and crevices of the of yeah. the wood, it's so that's disappointing. <laughs> um, that the, the piece I did one piece for my solo show that's oil and it, it's it's lovely, but way too oh, much. Oh, I just love the oil so much. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like I, I'm kind of one of those people who jumps from one thing to the next to the next. I I want to master something and then I want to be bad at something and try again. <laughs> <laughs> I want to learn it again, you know. I think that's why that's why I started landscape painting is because with my illustration work, I'd love doing like the person in the foreground and in the background and be like, me, a line. <laughs> that would be fine. <laughs> I thought that that's ridiculous. Like I should practice that. And so that's that's where that starts. Sometimes I know I'm bad at something and so I will well, I will just it, do it and make myself get better at it. It's the way to grow. <laughs> I mean if you if uh, if you're not I, I, my personal opinion, if you're not learning every day as an artist, you're not succeeding as an artist. I think it's really important to to challenge yourself on a daily basis if you can. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. I don't think I could paint the same thing over and over. Yeah, I'd see you're doing a lot of okay. cows these days. <laughs> Having said that, yeah, I do paint a lot of cows. I don't know why I waited so long. I grew up on a farm. You did, okay. Yeah, I grew up on a farm out, out in like fairly remote area in a log cabin my dad made so very rustic you know it's where a lot of the, the trees and landscapey and animal things come from you know um and cows we had lots of cows and so i go my dad still has a farm i go out there photograph his cows every time i say hi to dad and then i go say hi to the cows <laughs> um yeah they're so fun to paint i guess because i i know them more as an animal it's not like just taking a picture at the zoo and then painting it it's like you have life experience with the cows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like people who love to do dog portraits or something. Sure, sure. Yeah. But your cows are very colorful. Yeah, um, I love playing with color. I love putting color in unexpected places. If I look at my reference photo and think back to when I was standing there, 
you know, I'll, I'll play with the shadow a bit. So say maybe it was more of a, a muted gray color in the white fur, but if you just add like a, add like a pop of, I don't know, like an aqua or something, it can just, I don't know, just love that like little sparks of magic here and there in, in the piece. Well, it takes it from being a picture of a cow to a piece of art yeah. with a cow in yeah. it, I think. I mean, because you can take a photo of a cow and it's just a photo of a cow, but to interpret it, I, to me, again, that's kind of what art's all about, is the interpretation, not what's actually there, but what you can make people go, oh, yeah, that's, I never thought of it that way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've had my, some of my art described as like, I can see the movement and like the life in it, I guess. So yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's the idea with it, like putting, yeah, injecting that kind of spark of like taking that flat photo, yeah, and remembering where you were, maybe the wind was in the grass or something, and you can kind of indicate that feeling at the same time, yeah. Sure. It's like a nice marriage. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the new museum. Because you did, uh, we tried to schedule this uh, last fall. And you were just too darn busy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and for a couple of years I was not allowed to talk about it either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, I have a lot of work at the new Royal Alberta Museum. I have two large murals um, in the uh, they're, they're of ancient the ancient oceans of Alberta. So there's one with the deep sea with the big creatures, and then the little creatures like a little coral reef. And there's illustrations sprinkled all throughout the Natural History Gallery as well. That must have been an amazing project to be part of. How did, how did just did you get that through your connections with, with the previous museum and the folks there? Or? Yeah. I, yes, I did. I worked with um, Heidi before on other when I was being doing graphic design work, and she said maybe you should consider applying for this, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and it was an amazing couple of years, um, almost complete full-time solid work. I, I did even do the daycare for a, oh, a really? year. Yeah, wow. I know. <laughs> I had to for this project. It was so, it, it was such, oh, it was, it was, you couldn't pass it up. It, it's amazing. No, it's, it's amazing. I mean, the, they don't make museums every day, you know, it's, it's really, Got, had to have been really exciting. Did you you did most a lot of the work on site? Actually, I did none of the work on site. Oh, really? It was all here in the studio, okay. including the murals, which which sounds kind of funny, but the murals were actually painted at half scale. So I had I had a giant canvas made up specifically, and it it fit well in the studio and everything. But because I was painting it at half size, I had to use the tiniest, tiniest paintbrushes for the details because I knew every stroke was going to be magnified. <laughs> yeah. um, and I went to local libraries for research on what f different fossils looked like. I, I did go into the museum and photograph actual specimens and stuff, but yeah, most of it was go and have a little meeting there, and then come back, do some sketches, go back in. Show them my sketches, get a pile of revi revisions, and come back. Yeah, because it's all scientific stuff. It's oh, all sure. it's nothing, right. yeah. and yeah. none of it's stuff that I understand at all initially. Like, <laughs> except except for the murals, are those ones were easier because everybody looks at pictures of dinosaur books when they're kids, sure, and you're sure. like, okay, I can do this, you know. But the scientific, um, the the things where you had to illustrate scientific concepts, you know, like 
we had to draw the, draw the inside of an ammonite shell and the living creature coming out of it and how that interacted, in, how, it, how it laid in the space of the shell. Wow. And I think, I think I must have done 10 really highly done drawings before we finally got it right. Like, you know, just go back in, look at this, look at this, look at the shell again, have the scientists talk to me, have the scientists send the, the, the sketches to um, other scientists and discuss, you know, like I was, I was drawing something that had never existed before. It's not like when you draw... It's not a cow. Yeah, it's not a cow. You gotta just go take a picture of it. It's something that literally doesn't exist anymore. So, very exciting. I learned so much. Um, Your kids must have thought you were the most awesome person around doing dinosaurs and stuff. Oh yeah, for, yeah, they, they got a kick out of it for sure. <laughs> so, so you did the big canvas in here and then yep. they scanned it and then blew it up, is that? Actually, I, I scanned it. Um, I, initially I had someone photograph it, but I didn't like the quality of it. <laughs> so I got, I got another person to scan it and I still didn't like the quality because it has, it has to be um, such high quality to get blown up like that. And the problem was, is it was such a big canvas. It was a huge nightmare actually scanning it. Um, so my husband and I put a big table out in my studio and scanned it piece by piece by piece on a tiny flatbed scanner. And I, <laughs> I stitched it together in Photoshop. <laughs> you do it together. Yeah, I, yeah, it was worth it. Cause at the end it, it looked, it looked amazing. <laughs> great. So what's, what's next? Hmm, good question. Um, I have, I have a list of things that I want to get done and I already have commissions and stuff on the go, but mostly it's, um, this is my first full year with both kids in full-time school. Oh. So I'm kind of just feeling out what it feels like to have an actual work day now and not have little pockets of time to work in. Um, it's, it doesn't feel like as much time <laughs> as I thought it was going to feel like. I'll admit, I, I was basking in dreams of it being like, <laughs> I don't know, easy peasy. <laughs> but yeah, I've got some, I'm doing more wholesale work, so I make enamel pins. I design them and get them made for me. And I'm, I'm loving the whole, the wholesale world. You know, you can make art and somebody else sells it for you. Sure, it's brilliant. Sure. You know, so I'm, I'm making some posters for the museum. Um, my, my own design that I'll, I'll, um, I don't, I don't know if I can tell, I don't know if I can tell you what it is yet because we kind of are in talks together, but you know, there, there's some things on the go and there's more, there's more commit, more commission projects, uh, illustration projects on the go as well that I can't talk about again. <laughs> But they'll come up in due course. That's good. And yeah. of course, you'll be doing all sorts of markets this year. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. Lots of markets. I, I've, I've applied for quite a few already. Yeah. 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 Butter Dome and Indie Handmade and Night of, Artists. Night of Artists. Yeah. Art, hopefully, Art Walk again Art as walk. well. All right. Well, I, I think that, uh, that probably wraps it up. Thanks for uh, making some time out of your Saturday afternoon to, uh, to do this for us. And uh, best of luck. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. All right. Thanks to Crystal Dreger for sitting down with me for our first episode of our second season. Audio and Visual is recorded, produced, and hosted by me, Jay Bigham. The audio and visual theme music is called Good Day, written by Kim Lincoln. For more information on Crystal and to hear all our episodes, visit audioandvisual.ca. Follow us on Twitter at audioandvisual, and visit facebook.com slash audioandvisual. 
Don't miss an episode and subscribe to Audio and Visual on Google Play and iTunes. See you next time.